From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. It's 45 days until the midterm elections, and everyone in Congress has their eyes on the polls. They show Democrats with an advantage, but it's not clear how much of one. Consider that recent polls have Democrats leading in the so-called generic ballot, where respondents are asked simply to pick between the two parties, by more than 10 percentage points. But others have the margin in the mid-single digits. That could be the difference between picking up a few seats and a wave election. Polls on individual races vary as well. On September 18th, a Quinnipiac University poll showed GOP Senator Ted Cruz of Texas leading his Democratic opponent, Representative Beto O'Rourke, by nine points. A day later, an Ipsos poll sponsored by Reuters and the University of Virginia had O'Rourke up by two. What are voters to make of it? My guest today is Brad Bannon, a Democratic pollster and political strategist, to help us put everything in perspective. Welcome, Brad. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on. So, Brad, should voters trust the polls? Well, let me put it this way. They shouldn't trust them blindly. Uh, Most polls are pretty accurate. But to figure out what polls mean, people have to really get under the hoods and look at the details. For instance, let me use a Texas example. Uh, You're right, a... uh, a Quinpiac survey had Ted Cruz over at Beto O'Rourke by nine points. And yesterday, uh, Reuters uh, released one that had O'Rourke up by two points. Now, I think in their own ways, they're both probably right. Uh, and the difference is that the uh, Quinpiac poll uh, was done uh, by phone and the uh, Reuters poll was done online. Now, what you see usually is when you do an online survey, it, it overrepresents the responses of young people. And most young people are Democrats. And the reason is that uh, many people, older people, seniors, aren't online and can't answer the, the questions. So you get, an over, you get a bias towards young voters, which means a bias towards Democrats, uh, which is one of the explanations why the polls are so uh, spread apart. Right. And the same thing really could be said in reverse about the phone poll. Uh, young people tend not to answer their phones the way older people do. And therefore, might the Quinnipiac poll overrepresent the views of older people? Well, if I had to bet on one being wrong, I'd bet on the Reuters poll being wrong because uh, any good polling organization, and I don't know the methodology of the Quinpiac, uh, will not only interview from landlines, but they'll interview from cell phones. And that reduces the generational bias. It does, but I still think there's, there's a sense among young people that if, if someone calls and they don't recognize the number, it's not someone in their contacts, they're just going to let it go to voicemail. Well, uh, th- yeah, I think there is some bias among younger voters in, uh, in phone polls. Uh, but uh, I think there's more of a bias against seniors in the online polls than there is among young people in the right. f- telephone polls. Because they may not even be online at all. My guess is about f- five to ten years from now, all polls will be done online. 
And by that point, hopefully you'll have a better spread of online responses generationally than you do now. Yeah. Okay. So there's a danger in all this, isn't there? As a Democrat, as you are, do you think that voters may have stayed home in 2016, thinking Hillary Clinton had the election locked because the polls showed her in the lead? Well, uh, I don't think that was much of a factor. I mean, for what, for one thing, and people often criticize the national polls for the 2016, but for example, uh, the real clear average of national polls, the last wave of national polls in 2016, had Hillary ahead by 2.1%. And basically, she actually in real life won 2.1%. So I think the national polls were were pretty accurate. Uh, I think my guess is some Democrats probably did stay home because they thought Trump was going to win. But uh, I think it was more a fact that the Trump people were very energized uh, and a lot of the Clinton people were sort of blasé about the whole thing. You mean Democrats stayed home because they thought Hillary was going to win yes. in some key states yeah. like and Pennsylvania. And at the same time, I think the Trump people were very energized. Right. So now, I think the reverse is going on now. If you look at the polls you're talking about measuring the national generic trial heat for the midterms, what you see if you look at those polls is that Democrats are a lot more energized than Republicans are right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened is Donald Trump's been, every, been doing everything he can since he's been president to energize the base, and he's done a great job because the Democratic base is energized. <laughs> the wrong base. So as a pollster, um, what are the challenges now in getting a good sample when you have these people who are using different modes of communication? As you said, young people tend to go online. Older people aren't online. Phones aren't as reliable a way to reach people as they used to be. Well, personally, I think the best way to go, and I don't think many people are doing this, but the best way to go, really, would be to combine the two, uh, to do uh, you know, regular telephone people so you get the proper representation of seniors uh, and do the survey also online geared to young people uh, so you get an accurate representation. And I think that's the only way to get a perfectly accurate sample. Sadly, I don't think anybody's doing it. Right. You're talking about a lot of cost, and that's yes. always a factor for bolsters. You're listening to CQ on Congress. You can subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, and NPR One. My guest today is pollster Brad Bannon, and we're talking about how much voters should trust the polls. Okay, Brad, back to you. So given the uh, flaws in a lot of the polling going on right now in that they are not doing both phone polling and online polling. Pollsters are doing a lot of waiting about the results they get in. If they're underrepresented sample of young people, they they uh, increase the value of the young people who did respond. Um, so how much of this is now an art among pollsters versus the science that people expect? One of the problems with doing online polls, and the Reuters poll is a good example of it from what I read about the methodology, uh, is that what you do is if you when you do an online survey, you are going to get an overrepresentation of young people and an, an underrepresentation of seniors. It's just the nature of the online beast. And what pollsters do to try to compensate 
is they'll take the demographics for a state and adjust the data uh, so that, for instance, if I'm just using this as an example, 30 percent of the voters in a state are seniors. You do an online sample and you might get 15 percent of the uh, respondents on an online survey uh, who are seniors. And what pollsters do is they essentially double the value of the online responses, so it measures the uh, state's demographics. But even that's a problem now because the state demographics doesn't really mean that's going to reflect the voter population. Right. You have to also consider turnout. Who comes out? You know, this being a midterm election, it's not as... Not the same and, as and a presidential yeah. year. It's online's a very tricky business, and my guess is five years from now, there won't be any telephone polls anymore. It'll all be online, but you have a greater represent, a representation of people who are able to answer the surveys five or ten years from now. And it's a whole different style then, because phone polls. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the pollster. In, in prior years when people all had landlines in their home and all answered their phones and were more willing to respond to, to pollsters, the pollsters would target a broad swath of the community that they thought was representative of it. But you can't really do that in the same way online, can you? There's no perfect way to poll. I don't think there's been a method of polling that's uh, been executed in the history of polling that doesn't have some kind of flaw. Uh, bias response, uh, procedural response, there are all sorts of errors in any poll, and you're never going to completely eliminate them. And that's why if voters, if people really want to know what's going on, they just can't look at the head-to-heads. You have to get under the hood and find out how, what people were interviewed, uh, how they were screened, uh, you also need to know a lot about the order of the questions, uh, and the more, the less. Basically, the problem is uh, the media tends to report just to head to heads. Okay, we know O'Rourke is either ahead or behind uh, uh, Cruz, either up two or down nine. And what to understand and to make some sense of these, you just can't pay attention to the head-to-heads without looking under the hood and see what uh, see the details. Uh, in polling, devil is in the details. Right. I mean, is there a different style for pollsters who are working directly for candidates? You often hear about the internal polling that they've done versus news organizations, which just go out and do their own polling. You know, first of all, one point that raises is that if you look at the Gallup national polling in 2020, they're not going to be asking head-to-heads anymore uh, because they believe, and they're right, uh, that head-to-heads are very misleading, uh, especially the earlier you do do them in the campaign, the more misleading they are. So they're just going to focus on... uh, they're just going to focus on uh, issues to find out, you know, what voters care about, what is motivating their vote, without finding out how they're going to vote. Well, in 2016, right? I mean, we, you, as you mentioned, the national polls did accurately reflect Hillary Clinton's small victory, but they didn't capture the differences in individual states that she yes. was she was at risk in Wisconsin, at yes. risk in Michigan. She didn't even campaign there, so she didn't even realize it herself. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. Again, if you look at the national polls, 
they were remarkably accurate. The problem is the network media groups who do the polling focus on the national picture. And along the line, somebody forgot we don't pick uh, the president by national popular vote. But that's where all the polling resources go, not into doing individual surveys in Ohio or Michigan or Florida or any battleground state. Uh, you know, the national polls are nice and they were remarkably accurate in 2016, except they don't mean anything. Right, right. And I mean, the same case could be made here in 2018 when we have a midterm election and a battle for the House of Representatives because there's simply not polling in a lot of these districts out in, you know, rural um, Nebraska and places like that. They're just not asking the, the voters there what they think. Yes, that's true. And also the congressional districts are very gerrymandered. And that causes polling problems, too. Now, if you do some historical research, uh, people have determined that, let's say, for the example, uh, the Democrats uh, nationally have a two-point edge on November 6th. That likely means they're not going to pick up any seats. Right, and because they're winning at, all those votes and you look at the they're piling up votes in, in heavily Democratic districts. Yes. If you look at the history, what seems to be true is it takes an eight-point Democratic lead in the national polls. That will lead to a, a large turnover. But anything under 8% uh, probably won't lead to a big turnover. And it looks like we're on that. that uh, we are now, edge. yes. Yeah. Brad, pollsters are also asking respondents about what the issues are that they care about in this election. What are, what are they hearing? Well, despite all the talk about the Kavanaugh nomination. To uh, so the Supreme, this is a Supreme, Supreme Court fight. Court, where, and uh, other things that happen here in Washington. Uh, the economy is still a big motivator for voters right now. Now, of course, we've the, while Donald Trump's been president, we've gained hundreds of thousands or millions of new jobs. The problem with that is, and again, it's an example of you have to look behind the data to find the true meaning. Uh, even though we have maybe millions of more jobs since Donald Trump became president, people aren't making any more money than they were 20 years ago. And that's why voters are frustrated. And that's why if you look at any national poll now, you'll see that uh, the economy is a big issue because vote, a lot of voters don't feel better about the economy because they're still having trouble paying their mortgages every month, uh, feeding their families and trying to scrape up enough uh, money uh, to cope with a health emergency. Now, besides that, on the Republican side, Republican voters are very motivated by immigration, something that's not a concern among Democratic voters. On the other hand, Democratic voters are very concerned about health care uh, and Republicans aren't. Let me get this straight, Brad. So you have health care as a motivating issue for Democrats, immigration a motivating issue for Republicans, and the economy for both. Yeah, both uh, sides, uh, the partisans of both parties are very concerned about the economy. And the reason they're concerned about the economy is that the number of jobs has significantly increased, but pay adjusted for inflation is actually a lagging behind what it was 20 years ago. So people are still having a difficult time paying their bills, uh, which is what really matters. 
Very interesting, Brad. Thank you for coming on our show. Pleasure. I love to talk about polling, Sean. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, and NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at rollcall.